in connection with our brother Bill Roth's exhortation, let us turn to Galatians chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For, whosoever, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We'll now hear from our brother Bill. Good morning, brothers, sisters, and friends. Many of the lessons that the scriptures portray, especially those dealing in parables, at some time in our life typically have to be explained to us, since many times they deal with issues of the agricultural uh, nature or some such that we're not familiar with. You know, we most of us do not come from a rural community and are not familiar with the lessons uh, portrayed in, in scriptures. I think most of us who planted gardens and various things like that from children can, can see some things, but, you know, most of us have never used a plow uh, or raised crops and had to depend upon the food that we grew to be the only food that we eat. However, brothers and sisters, this does not keep us from appreciating the spiritual lessons uh, incorporated in the scriptural parables. And we know a parable is uh, one thing, placing one thing beside another from which arises the idea of comparison. And we can truly understand that, and, and most of us, uh, most of you, I came in late into the truth, but most of us in the room have been taught parables since very young age, which is definitely a blessing. Um, the people of the Bible were people of 
the land. There was obviously, you know, many generations passed and their life was completely different than, than, than many cases than what ours is now. They were dealing with animals, agriculture, handcrafts. All these things were the mainstay of most people at that time. And Jesus himself, as well as the prophets, used parables in their methods of teaching. Salt, light, a candle under the bushel, a yoke, wolves, the needle's eye, the fig tree, the mustard seed. All of these stories, based on everyday happenings, served several purposes. The stories were easily remembered and recalled when the event shows itself again to those who were the listeners. And those who were provocative in thought would grasp the meaning of the lesson and all its intricacies. In Matthew 13, we have a lesson which we've been taught from infancy. In verses 10 through 18, we read, And the disciples came, and we'll read this parable as well in just a moment. But the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he said, answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they, sh for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. In the book, Parables of the Messiah, we have this comment. He talks about midway in the second year of ministry, Jesus began to use the parabolic form of teaching more extensively than before. He says, primarily the object of teaching is to enlighten. If human teachers fail, they can do no more. They have done what was possible, and the hearers are the losers. But when a teacher sent from God delivers a message, the hearers sustain an added responsibility to God. For God's word has a divine authority and calls for obedience and not criticism. Not everyone, however, has the capacity either to recognize it as God's word or to understand and appreciate its message. And we see that here as well. There were many that didn't get what he was trying to talk, even though they were 
dealing with these things on a daily basis. Uh, the plantings and things that, that go on in these parables. Uh, but the coming of the word has nevertheless made a difference. Those with understanding hearts know more. The unresponsive become more incapable of response. The defiant are accountable, varying in degree, doubtless, and to different judgments in form and time. The parabolic form of teaching provides a test to those who hear. The humble-hearted store it in their minds and its meaning is understood. The critical, the prejudiced, the bitter, the opposing, by their very attitude, do not take to heart the lesson. And the teaching becomes more misunderstood. And their attitude to the teacher, one of great bitterness and antipathy. It says, the parables are all taken from familiar objects, yet there is little that is exclusively Jewish about them. Some of them do gain in vividness with a knowledge of local background and customs. Yet the meaning of all can be understood without that knowledge. They have the universality that belongs to the one who spoke, it, spoke them. It is easy to forget that he was a Jew, and the stories like him belong to all men, whether Jew or Gentile. So the blessing of having the scriptures set before us in these particular ways, yet we might have to have a little explained to us, but typically, as in we read in this chapter 13, he goes on to explain exactly what he's saying in the parable. So let's go back to Matthew 13 and let's read this, this parable, one that we're all very familiar with. He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And as we read this, you can actually see in your mind's eye, you know, the, the man with the bag. I mean, we've all seen these images. The man with a bag on his side. The satchel reaching in and grabbing a handful of seeds and strewing them in a, in a fashion to broadcast them around in the field. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. He goes on to explain, as we read, the meaning to, of the parable to his disciples later on. The meaning to us is quite clear after the explanation by Clark Christ and one that we can relate to. The seed is the word of God. The fowls are sins, flesh, the wicked one, the stony places with no root binding ability. Uh, tribulation and persecution. The thorns are the world's cares and lust, uh, pricking on a daily basis. And lastly, we have the good ground in which the world would find fertile ground to bring, bring forth fruit. We have in all this the very typical elements of gardening in our day and time. Except <clears throat> we don't have any stony places here. It's just Florida. What we don't see in the story or have explained to us is the quality of the seeds. Well, how many of us have ever planted a packet of seeds and found only a few really good ones or a few sprouts from, you know, numerous amounts of seeds? Um, 
My wife and I just recently purchased a, uh, trying to grow things, and we're probably some of the worst, talk about bad ground, you know, where I think our ground is cursed out where we live. But we recently bought a packet of, uh, it was a blueberry plant. We thought, well, this is great. You know, all of us love blueberries, and this, this looks very simple. You just pull the thing out, and you stick it in the ground, and, and there, there it is. Well, Jackie opens the thing up, and she pulls this thing out. She says, is this all there is to it? And I looked over there, and all it was was a stick about this long with one little shoot sticking out the side of it. And I says, well, honey, I, I don't really know. It looks like it should have more than that to it. So I says, well, tell you what, just stick the thing in the ground, plant it, and see what you get. And, of course, you know what happened. There is nothing there. And I remember taking the thing back to the, the, the return lady, and, and she pulls it out, and she goes, where's the plant? I says, well, that's it. That's all we got. She says, this isn't going to work. I says, you're not telling me anything I don't know. So the story in Matthew always, you know, these are always supposed that the seed is good and healthy. And there would be same, it would be the same regardless of what ground it falls upon. Upon And in the case of this, this is the case of God's Word. This is obviously descriptive of the Word of God being broadcast into different, uh, different types of, of soil. First uh, Peter, chapter 1, 1 Peter 1, 23-25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower therefore fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which the, by the gospel is preached unto you. The word of the Lord endureth forever. It cannot fail in this instance. The seed that is depicted in this is wonderful, viable seed. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word, be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So, in the parables set before us, we're always given the description that God's word is good seed. What is really revealed by this, the, the parable of the sower is the soil's productiveness. And where it falls. When we looked at Galatians, we see whatsoever a man soweth or sows, that shall he also reap. This statement is very clear in its meaning, but can we learn a deeper lesson? You know, a superficial look at seeds, when you pour seeds out or somebody gives you seeds uh, from a packet or wherever, really reveals nothing of their potential, does it? Uh, unless we, 
we know exactly what it is and, and what it's going to blossom into. If you'd never seen a seed before, you would look at this little dried bit of nothing, uh, some almost too small to see, and think, well, this is, you know, this is just something, you know, this is just a piece of dirt or a, a piece of whatever. But if you place them in the damp earth and take care of them, an incredible event happens. Life. Plant struggling, pushing up, growing into a plant. It shoots forth a bud that will sprout leaves and blooms that will fall away and reveal a tiny pod. And then before you know it, the vine or plant fills with duplicates of what you have planted originally and many times over. How does this happen? Well, obviously, it's God's design. Genesis 1, 11 and 12. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Seed in itself. The fact that you will not get melons from beans, is that our lesson this morning? Not really. In our reading, Paul tells us, he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh read, reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We understand this, do we not? The battle of the flesh and the battle of the Spirit have been fought from the beginning of time, even in the very garden. The seeds we sow determine what we reap from this life God has blessed us with, brothers and sisters. We saw in the parable of the sower that the seed is God's word and we realize that as we hear the word as believers. What we do with it in our life and how it acts upon us determines if we will generate fruit. But a greater lesson is also shown here. Think about this. Everything we do leaves a seed. And all of our life, we are leaving behind a trail of plantings that we, if we live long enough, are someday going to mature and we will have to live with the fruit that it produces. Kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Everything we do leaves a seed. What are we sowing, brethren? What trail do we leave behind in our daily lives? both with those inside and those outside of the truth. Hosea 10.12, we read, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Job says, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Proverbs. Forwardness is in his heart. 
He devises mischief continually. He soweth discord. And also in the same chapter, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Proverbs 11. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Proverbs 16. A froward man soweth stripes, and a whisperer separateth chief, chief friends. 2 Corinthians 9. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Let's turn to Proverbs 22. Nine verses. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. Oh, sorry. I'm in the wrong chapter. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, he shall will not depart from it. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Revelation 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors... And their works do follow them. Just as the seeds that we plant in our life. And it doesn't always have to be our attempt at spreading the word of God like is in the parable in Matthew. It could be anything that creates an event that affects the truth. Their works do follow them. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 14. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. What will be our works manifest? What will be our crops grown? Matthew 7, starting at verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. For you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or of thorns? Or thistles, or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, 
but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit, good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Why is it so vital that we fully absorb this principle that as we sow shall also shall we reap? Because there is a time of harvest for life itself. As a type in scriptures, we are showed that there is a period of six days of man's rule. And then cometh the seventh day of rest. Harvest or death could come for us at any time. But the true harvest of God could come at any time as well. There is a time limit for our service to Yahweh. The lessons deity has given us in the word of God from the very beginning of scripture shows us that we are held accountable for our own life, for what we have sown while we have lived it. So to the flesh, let it have dominion over your life and it will have dominion for all eternity. So to the Spirit, let the Spirit of Christ rule in your hearts and the Spirit will yield fruits after its kind. Galatians 5. And at verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the love, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such lot, of the which I tell you before that I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance against such that there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We can assuredly think of our own lives. How are we sowing individually in our lives, in our homes, in our ecclesias? Are we fruitful? Colossians 1, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For in, if these things be in you and abound, make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of seeds are we sowing? And what will be the plantings of our life? tells us it's like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast it into his garden and it grew and waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. Or will we be that seed or produce that seed which looks good in the package but does not produce? How does your garden grow, brethren? Let us continue with the singing of hymn 153. By Christ redeemed and Christ restored, we keep the memory adored and show the death of our dear Lord until he come. Hymn 153.
The Orlando Ecclesia's basis of fellowship is exclusively the unamended statement of faith. And we welcome those who believe and adhere to those doctrines and commandments that are stated therein. Brothers and sisters, what love and mercy the Father has shown us in providing a means of redemption through the death of his own Son. The beginning in the garden, we see his and starting to unfold with the typical lamb slain to provide a covering for sin. We see in Genesis 3, starting in verse 21, unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. We see the death of the animal, the shed blood of the animal. We also see Abel and his offering typifying the death of the anointed one whose blood would be shed as a means of redemption and a covering for sin. <clears throat> in Genesis 4, starting in verse 1, we read, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she began to bear his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof 
and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Genesis 8, verse 20, we read, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every fowl, clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. We see Abraham and the patriarchs, patriarchs, all looking forward to their Redeemer as they offered their sacrifices. The children of Israel, in their coming out of Egypt, have seen him in the striking of the blood of the Passover lamb on the lentil and doorposts. In Exodus 12, starting in verse 5, we read, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out of the sheep or of the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. In the encampment in the wilderness, we see the many animals offered. We see the tabernacle and all its furnishings, the altar, the ark with its mercy, with its mercy seat, all foreshadowing the coming Redeemer, the sacrificial Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we see Jesus as the anointed, as the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, we read, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And in John 1, beginning at verse 28, we read, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 18, we read, <clears throat> For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And again in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 21, we read, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, 
leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously, whom his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. With those thoughts in mind, let us now take of these emblems in remembrance of him, knowing that this bread and wine represent his body prepared and his blood poured out as the covering for sin and our only means of redemption. As we enter into this memorial service, let us turn to the account in Matthew 26, reading from verse verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. I'd like to ask Brother Ed to offer prayer for the bread. Almighty, great, and ever-righteous Father, even Yahweh, we humbly bow before you to thank you for the blessing that you have given us in thy Son. Father, as we partake of this bread, we cannot help but remember that this is unleavened bread. There is no leavening agent in it. As with thy Son, he was pure to thy truth. He was that Word made flesh. There was no outside influence that had any control or any advantage over him. We Thank you for this bread, for we know that truly thy Son is the bread of life. And as we partake of this bread, we think of him as so. Father, we thank you through thy Son's name, even Jesus the Anointed, who is our mediator and high priest. Amen. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I'd like to ask Brother Sid to offer prayer for the wine. and loving Heavenly Father, we humbly approach unto Thee at this time to thank Thee for the countless blessings that we enjoy from Thee daily. 
And we most especially thank Thee now for the gift of Thy Son. For indeed we have been purchased by His blood. And we realize that apart from His sacrifice and His love and devotion to Thee and His concern for the welfare of His fellow man, all those that will avail themselves of the opportunity for salvation. Indeed, without that, there would be no hope. We pray that we might discern in this wine a symbol of His blood and therefore His life that was poured out in perfect obedience before Thee. And we pray that we might strive within our ecclesia and within our families to reflect this same love and dedication for one another and to serve Thee in spirit and in truth. For indeed, we have been bought with a great price. Please forgive us of the many things that we do amiss. Keep us ever mindful of our responsibilities to serve Thee in every way possible. And we long for that day when Thy Son shall return to reestablish Thy kingdom in power and great glory. And for the privilege of drinking anew of this fruit of the vine in thy kingdom, if it be thy will. Our prayer and our praises we offer to thee, through thy beloved Son, and our Redeemer, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's close with the singing of hymn 223, I'm sorry, yeah, hymn 223, after which I'd like to ask our brother Dave to offer closing prayer. <clears throat> Fair waved the golden corn in Cana's pleasant land, when full of joy some shining morn went forth the reaper band. Hymn 223.
Our righteous Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we come humbly before thy throne of grace at this time with all praise and thanksgiving for this blessing that you have provided us with this day of being able to meet together, to hear words of exhortation, words of encouragement, to partake of the emblems and remembrance of your Son who died on our behalf. We ask that as we go our several ways, that you help us to be reminded in how we sow, be in accordance with your will, and that you watch over and care for us in the week to come, and then if your Son does not return, that you watch over and bring us together safely again next week. For it is through his name we ask, and give all praise, honor, and glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ we ask it. Amen. A special reminder, brothers and sisters,